He said, get rid of every weight and the sin. You know what a the sin? John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I come to give you life and that more abundant. Some of y'all, if you could right now, you'd say, well, what's up with my life? Wrong beliefs, weights. The word the sin literally translated is the competitor of life. The weight, which is the wrong belief, is competing for the life that Jesus died to give you. Keeping us incapable of running or even maintaining the victorious Christian life that God wants you and I to live. What are we literally talking about? I'll put it in one simple word, attitude. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I am proud to say up until this year, we were the number one givers in this church. You say, well, pastors, your giving gone down? No, some folks in this church's giving has gone up. And that excites me. And so God, as Ivan stood up here very eloquently and very specifically said, God is our provider. Your notes this morning, okay? God is our provider. It is the kingdom principle, his provision. He is the provider. Let me share some things that are happening. God has opened the door for us how many have heard us on the radio over the years? Anybody? Lift your hand up all over the... Okay. We're, we're all over this mountain. There's no place, literally, that my wife and I can go that if, if there's people around there that listen to us, which is generally everywhere, they, they kind of wrench their neck trying to find out where the, that voice is coming from. You're, the, you're that guy on the radio. Well, God opened another door for us starting this Sunday morning. We will be on the radio during Arizona Shine praise and worship for four hours. It will, the, the program will belong to Victorious Life. It is brought to you by Victorious Life. Victorious Life is talked about during the entire four-hour program. It is signed off by Victorious Life. It talks about what God is doing at Victorious Life. Our morning program, how many hear our morning radio program on Sunday morning? Some of you listen to it on the way in, and some of you listen different. Well, it's been at 645 on Sunday morning on Arizona Shine. It will now... I'm thinking starting this Sunday, it will be at 8.15 on Sunday morning. Listen to this. 
Somebody say, but God. 60% of Arizona Shine's radio audience is unchurched or unsaved. 60%. Do you know why? In a negative world, they want a positive influence. They're tired of listening to all the music that's tearing everything down. They want something that's building someone up. 60%. And God has opened the door and given us a program that is worth about $1,500 a month for peanuts. We're going to be on the radio more. Right now, because of Arizona Shine and the CAF conglomerate, we are on five different stations just because of Great Circle Media. We pay for one of the stations, and they give us all the other stations for free. That's why you'll be, you'll, you'll be listening to CAF radio, and all of a sudden you'll hear Pastor Tim. And that all started with our little girl up here named Becky when she used to work at CAF Radio. She's the one that started the whole thing. There's other ones called The Mountain. Any of you listen to The Mountain? That's, what's that old classic rock and roll? Hey, you'll hear Pastor Tim's voice on The Mountain. You'll hear it on, on eight different radio stations in this city every day of the week. It'll now be at 8.15, the morning program on Sunday. And very shortly, you'll be hearing us from the voice of the Navajo Nation. We are going live on the radio up in the Navajo Nation. Somebody get excited in God's house. Uh, they've already got the, uh, our radio, the little 15 and 30 and 60 second spots. So they're going to start airing immediately. And I'm talking to Chuck Harper, if some of you know him, uh, who runs the station up there uh, in, uh, in Window Rock. And uh, we're looking to get there to be their number one program on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> Folks, this church exists for one purpose. Save souls, equip the saints, and build the kingdom. And we can't do that. We had a, uh, in our morning prayer meeting, if you're not in our Sunday morning prayer meeting at 9 o'clock, why? We had a, a word of the Lord came, a vision that God gave Miss Ann Ross this morning, and God gave me the interpretation for it. And we were able to speak it forth how God is taking the walls down of this church. And we are reaching. We are doing exactly what we prayed for. We are praying not to be one of the churches of flag, but to be part of the church of flag. And God is using us to reach people beyond these walls. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're waiting for everybody to come in, it won't happen. Our job is not to build the church. That's his job. Our job is to build the kingdom, which is changing people's lives. And the only way you can change them, you got to get the message out to them. And so that's what we're trying to do. And we're believing God for it. How many think that, that God is doing some pretty cool things in Victorious Life? Come on, give him a hand clap of praise, would you? I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. 
Okay? So we are going to shake the trees and rake the leaves. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Last week, last week we, we started in this, this understanding. Uh, we're not doing that scripture first. That scripture is coming a long time down the road. Uh, we're starting with uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, just real quick, and it's on the screen. Look at this. Let us throw off everything. That word everything means a weight. We talked about this last week, what a weight really is that hinders and thus sin. The Bible talks in very great specificity about two different things. The weight is literally, and the, the, the weight is literally the, uh, the wrong beliefs that we allow to govern our lives. Okay, the wrong beliefs that we allow to govern our lives. The Bible says in James, and we, we don't have that on the screen, but James chapter 22 says, don't just listen to God's word, but do what it says. Do what? What God's word says. Not what the preacher says, what God's word says. Not what some evangelist says, but what God's word says. Come on, somebody, get excited. Not what some person says, well, you know, I don't believe that. Don't give a flip what you believe. What's God's word say? Okay? And God gave me revelation many, many years ago that God will never condone what his word condemns. God will never condone what his word condemns. And this is the key to that understanding. And the reason, what, uh, once again, I have all these little phrases that I use because they help people to remember things. What makes deception so deceptive is because it usually is what we want. You know how we can read something and not believe it and it'll become a weight? Because we don't want to believe it. It's not a matter that God's word says it. It's not a matter that God's word's clear about it. If we don't get three hallelujahs and 14 amens and a couple praise you lords, we don't believe it. Though God's word says it. The problem with deception that makes us so deceptive is usually what we want. And here's the reality of it. When we choose to follow a lie, we no longer look for the truth. When we choose to follow something contrary to God's word, we will no longer look for the truth. You notice the keys? We choose to follow, and now we won't look for the truth anymore. Why? Why won't we look for the truth? Because it will expose the lie that we've been following, therefore making us look like a fool. Somebody say amen. God's word is clear. Okay? And today, I'm going to take you into some things that are very clear in God's word, in this understanding, he is our provision. So wrong beliefs are those weights that entangle our feet and distract, distract our attention, therefore depleting our energy, making us want to give up and say, what's the use? It doesn't work for me. I don't see any place in the Word of God that puts me above you. I don't see any place in God's Word that says it's going to work for me and not for you. So if it's working for me, why isn't it working for you? 
Do you think it might be a difference in beliefs? Now, there's, there's variables for these things, but we start out with this weight that and the sin. Somebody say the sin. We're going to talk about that in a moment. It says, get rid of this stuff, and then we can run with patience. Perseverance, the race, the path that was set before us. People ask all the time, Pastor, how do I know I'm doing God's will? Are you living for God? Have you given yourself to the ministry of God? Then you're doing God's will. Well, how do I know it's the ministry of God? It lines up with God's word. See, God says, my job is to get you to do your job. Now, a lot of pastors don't want to do that job because it's a lot of work to help people do what they don't want to do because they don't believe they're supposed to do it. I'm going to go over this side and see if you feel the same way. To get them to do what they're supposed to do even though they don't believe they've got to do it. Well, you know, my job is for you to take care of me. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say that? He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Say, well, pastor, what's this got to do about God being our provision? We do our part. He does his part. Our parts obey. His parts provide. Hmm. That was worth the whole entrance right there. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes. See, I told you we are going to talk southern in heaven. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter. Some of your versions will say the author and finisher of your faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising or scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it says these words, consider him. Somebody say, consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. You're ever frustrated, you're ever tired, you're ever weary. Get your eyes back to Calvary. Get your eyes off the problem and look back on the promise. And you know what God will do? He'll lift you up and say, hey, I did it for you. I'll give you the strength to do it for me. Oh, come on. Somebody get excited in God's house. So what does the world really have to offer us? Okay. I'm just going to go through this real quick. We, we talked about the Billy Graham crusade. And in that crusade uh, that we did, uh, Victorious Life uh, supported and became one of the instrumental people uh, in the, the last Northern California Bay Area uh, Billy Graham crusade in history. His crusade, and the reason we jumped on it, was this, this statement was the founding of the crusade. Where do you want to be tomorrow? There is, there's no thing in this world that can hold you and I back if we will make a commitment. You and I, in this passage, are encouraged to be like Jesus. Consider him who endured all that all could endure. Consider him. He encourages us. 
the one who endured all encouraged us that all of us could endure. What, what are we going to endure? What are we going to endure? Things. Anybody ever have stuff happen? How's your day going? Oh, pretty good, except for stuff. Oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm good under the circumstances. What are you doing under the circumstances? Get out of under there. People. How many were having a good day until you saw so-and-so? Talked to so-and-so. Got irritated by so-and-so. Circumstances. Tangibles, intangibles. These are all weights. You say, well, pastor, how is this stuff? You said weights have to do with wrong beliefs. You believe you can't deal with these things, therefore you don't deal with these things, and you run away and give up on these things. Desires, sins, anything that separates you from God. And then we went into last week about 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Look at this. Look at this. 1 John. There it is. I knew it was there. Read the first line with me. Do not love the world. Come on, everybody, read it with me. Do not love the world or anything that's in the world. I closed the whole sermon right there. There's our problem. You remember Psychology 101 says to overcome a problem, you have to admit you have a problem. Well, Christianity 101 says to overcome a problem, you have to admit you are the problem. We have this world problem, somebody. We have this world problem. And the world is always distracting us, and God is always attracting us. What does the world have that could, could do anything better than God? The world, the yellow lines down the bottom, the world and all its desires will pass away. Come on, read that with me. The world and all its desires will pass away. Now take a deep breath for this next line because this is going to fit right in your shoes. But, somebody say, but God. This one's not talking about God, it's talking about you. Talking about me. Read it with me. But the man who obeys God. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about me now. See, I believe that everyone in this room wants to obey God. I really believe that. I genuinely believe that all y'all want to believe God and obey God. The man who obeys and does what he wants done will live forever. What's the other alternative? And then Romans 6.16, 6, look what it says. Don't you realize that you become the slave 
of whatsoever you choose to obey. Oh, uh, uh, Evan was on his little uh, video testimony. Where are you at, Evan? Are you, you out doing children's ministry? Evan was on the, the video that Bob and Tina... Folks, let me tell you something. You need to go see this gray-haired fella. This white-haired fella. Okay. And you need to see them. Don't they look so beautiful up there? How many appreciate Bob and Tina? You need to go see these folks and get your testimony. Just like he said in the video, your life may be the exact tool that God is going to use to change somebody else's life. And what did Evan get up there? He said, I'm no longer a slave to this world. I'm no longer a slave to this world. Well, pastor, I'm a Christian. Yeah, and you can still be a slave to this world. It just depends on your beliefs. Say, well, I'm going to heaven. You may go to heaven. You see, I believe you can be a saved soul and live a lost life. You can. Now, the deeper you get lost may mean you're not saved anymore. You mean I can lose my son? No, you can't lose it, but you can walk away from it. Nobody can steal it, but you can give it up. My wife and I are, are doing our own Bible study at home uh, through the book of Revelation. And we were reading. Well, we're going through it personally because she doesn't always get a chance to sit in the class because she's usually doing something. And so we were sitting down and we went through the passage there in, in Revelation chapter 3 and where Jesus says, and pray that I don't blot your name out of the book of life. Jesus would blot somebody's name if we choose to serve somebody else. See, God's a jealous God. You can be a slave to sin that leads to death, or you can choose to obey or be a slave to God, which chooses or leads to righteous living. That's why the scripture says, throw off everything, every weight, these, these, these uh, uh, wrong beliefs that entangle us. And as James 1.22 says, and don't be just a hearer of God's word, but a doer. What happens if you just hear God's word, James 1.22, and you don't do it? You'll walk in the deception. Which is why deception is so deceptive. Because it's usually what you want. And can I tell you something? You can get somebody to agree with you to disagree about God's word. That's easy to do. You got churches in Flagstaff. Oh, you don't believe that? Don't worry, we don't either. Well, what does God say? Well, what's it matter? Are you happy? Are you blessed? Are you encouraged? Just give a bigger offering and we'll be good. Okay, so let's get into today. What of our life is not from God? I loved Ivan. He got up here and said, you know, I'd like to be able to say as my own hard work and my own ability and my own this, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said, 
that got us where we're, got it, where we're at. But he and, I, and Heather both said, no, it's God that got us where we're at. It's God that made what we have happen. What in our life is not from God? James chapter 4. Look at this. Okay, now, now I'm going to help us to understand God is our provider. But God has a way that he does things. God has a way that he does things. And you know what God will never do? He will never condone what his word condemns. He will never do it contrary to what his word says. Never. I'm always nervous by pastors or churches or, or evangelists who said, God gave me a new revelation. What was wrong with the old one? See, revelation means the clarity on something that was once hidden. I don't see anything hidden. James chapter 4, look what it says. You who say today and tomorrow, I will go to this city and stay a year and make money. You don't even know what tomorrow is going to hold. You don't know what to, what's happening tomorrow. People will say, well, I'm, I'm saving up and I'm doing this and I'm doing... Folks, that's, that's all wonderful and that's all fine and dandy. As long as you're doing it this way. What is your life? It's just like a fog. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. What you should say, say that with me. What I should say, come on, make it personal. What I should say, if the Lord wants me to, I will live and do this or do that. See, that'll help us get away from wrong beliefs. Because the thing we're going to do is we're going to say, God, you're my provider. What are you providing for me to do? What is your plan for me today? There's two things that I want to look at. Okay? God wants to provide, ladies and gentlemen. But his way is the only way. The two things that I have found in God's word that gives me the understanding of how God provides is number one, and it's on, your, it's on the screen, it's in your notes, is preparation. We can tell if our heart is prepared by the way we give and the way we receive. We receive the most from that which we give the most. We're talking about our beliefs. We will invest. You know the Bible tells us? It tells us to occupy until he comes. A lot of people say, well, Jesus is coming back soon, so I'm running my credit cards up, and I'm, 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 uh, I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And God says, I think that's kind of foolish. He says to occupy. That word occupy means make commerce. It means live correctly before God, before you live before the world. There's a statement that I've made for years. Our job is to convince. His job is to convict. How do I convince? I don't let my words deny what my life does. And I don't let my life deny what my words say. My words and my life are the same thing. By virtue of that, people may not like where you stand, 
but they know where you stand. And when they fall, they're going to come look for you because they'll know you're standing. I cannot tell you how many people over the years, they, they, I was everything but a nice name. But when everything fell apart, guess who they came looking for? Because they knew that I had this standard and I had this ability to stand because I knew who my source was. I knew who my provider was. Am I making any sense? So my heart was prepared. This is how to deal with what stands between God and me. When these wrong beliefs come in that are contrary to God's word, I say, you know, whose report am I going to believe? I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm not going to believe what this guy says. Hey, I got yourself a fine way of making money. Okay, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Where's the Lord in it? Well, you know, the Lord will get the reciprocation of it. But is he not the participation in it? Participation. I'm having a, I'm having a trouble. <laughs> I'm getting my tongue over my eye teeth and I can't see what I'm talking about here. Okay. Is God participating in it or is he just trying to get the receiving of it? Well, does it matter? Completely. Completely. If we want God to do in our lives what God wants to do. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come unto me, all you that are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. For some of y'all that aren't, aren't understand of, of the farming scenario, which is what a yoke is about. You put a yoke on a pair of oxen. You put a yoke on a pair of horses. Okay, I'll get a place. How many ever saw the Budweiser Clydedale? Okay, I knew I'd hit home with that one right there. I love the commercials, by the way. The Budweiser Clydesdales. You see those great big harnesses around them? Those are a fancy term for yoke. That is a yoke. They use those harnesses and the bucklers and the different uh, uh, apparatus that ties them together. And you know what you never do is you never yoke a hardworking horse with a passive horse. They'll be fighting the whole time. Some of you horse people out there say amen. Come on, Gail, I see you back there shaking your head at me. She said that. That's right. You got you to gotta match the teams. Well, guess what, folks? We got a hardworking God. And he wants a hardworking servant, okay? And he'll, he'll yoke together with you. So what happens is a yoke is not just something you go out and put a piece of wood between them because that makes it burdensome. That makes it hard to maneuver. When you have a true yoke for animals to work, whether they're mules or horses or oxen or, or whatever it is, those yoke are custom made for those animals. Am I right, Gail? They're custom made. Any other horse people, they're custom made. You know why? Because it's supposed to operate as if the yoke wasn't even there. God said, that's the kind of yoke I want for you. You're going to have a yoke, but my yoke is easy. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't understand my burden. 
my wife in the uh, women's Bible class, uh, they did a teaching here a couple weeks ago about burdens, and they had a, a wagon, and they told the story about a guy that had, had a rock that Jesus said, this is the burden I have given you for life. And as he's going through life, all of a sudden, somebody says, hey, you got a way to transport. Will you take my burden too? And the guy says, sure, sure. And then he's going along, and all of a sudden, somebody else does the same thing. You know, God has a burden for you to carry, and you don't have to carry everybody else's. All of a sudden, this man starts going along, and all the, this wagon is full of burdens. Now he starts murmuring. He starts complaining. He gets mad at God. He said, God, I shouldn't be carrying all this. All of a sudden, around the corner, he finds God. Somebody say, but God. God shows up and says, the guys, well, God, you know, you gave me all. They said, no, I didn't give you all that. And he starts saying, uh, where'd you get this? Hold this other person. He said, that's between them and me. So he took that burden out, took another burden out. Can I tell you, those are wrong beliefs that are weighing you down. And God says, if you'll let me, I'll take them off your shoulders because my yoke is easy. Come on, somebody get a hold of this today. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know it is. <laughs> well, I'm glad I came today. This is helping me. So let's, let's look at your notes. It's not on the screen. Don't get freaked out. It's not on the screen, okay? The sin. Somebody say, the sin. The sin. The sin. He said, Get rid of the every weight and the sin. You know what a the sin? John chapter 10, verse 10. I'm going I'm I'm to give some folks some understanding that's going to open their minds and open their lives. Jesus said, I come to give you life and that more abundant. Some of y'all, if you could right now, you'd say, well, what's up with my life? Wrong beliefs. Weights. The word the sin literally translated is the competitor of life. The weight, which is the wrong belief, is competing for the life that Jesus died to give you. Mm, mm, mm. Keeping us incapable of running or even maintaining the victorious Christian life that God wants you and I to live. What are we literally talking about? I'll put it in one simple word, attitude. Your attitude hinders your aptitude, therefore stopping your altitude. Yeah, that was good. That, that. Folks, this whole thing, God said he's my, provi my provision. Why isn't it happening? Not because he can't, but because we won't. He'll let you wear any yoke you want to. He'll let you carry any burden you want to. But if it's his yoke, 
it'll be as if it's not even there. You know, my, my Bible tells me that God's burdens are not troublesome. Living for God is not a struggle. It's not. The second thing that we see from the preparation is the perfection. The perfection. And this is where all of the provision comes from. That word perfection literally means your level of maturity. For sake of the series that we're on, your level of understanding. You may know what God's word says, but do you understand? If you understand, you'll be walking it out. The yoke will be easy, the burden will be light which deals with the commitment to the life we're living for God. We are applying what we are understanding. (coughs) As I said a minute ago, Jesus has called us to live an abundant life. What does that mean? It means to operate in the promise, the provision, and the promotion. But it doesn't disclude the service, the suffering, and the sacrifice. You can have service, suffering, and sacrifice and be right in the middle of promise, provision, and promotion. Mm, This is good. In Romans chapter 8, in in Ephesians chapter 2, in Colossians chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it's in the Corinthians. Chapter 5, or actually chapter 10. The Bible says that he has marked out the road before us. Paul said in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, let us run the race with patience. That was set before us, and we read it in our text also in Hebrews 12. Let me break down. The understanding of God's provision. It's three things. Patience. Look at this. Which literally means to encounter the difficulties that lie in our way. They're going to be difficulties. Remember Jesus said, in this world you're going to have problems, but in me you're going to have peace. So you've got to have patience. People say, well, pastor, I, I, I thought I was told not to pray for patience. Once again, there's some of that wrong belief. You mean I should pray for patience? The book of Romans says it don't matter if you pray for it or not. You have need of it, so God's going to give it to you. Patience to encounter the difficulties along the way. And when you develop the patience, guess what you got to develop next? The perseverance. The perseverance is simply to resist the temptation to give in, give out, or give up. Galatians chapter 6 says, not be weary in doing what is right. In due season you will reap. You will be victorious if you don't give up. When you say, God, I'm going to develop patience in this, and I'm going to have the stamina of perseverance, Then the third thing is very simple, is I have to develop myself in the persuasion of God. God's will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. 
When I make that determination, patience and perseverance come easy. You say, Pastor, why didn't you put it first then? Because you'll never get to the persuasion that living of life. Remember, our job is to convince. How many ever here have been living for God? I mean, genuinely living for God and messed up. Oh, thank goodness. I didn't want to be the only one to raise my hand. Okay, good, good, good. We got a few other people said, I don't know if it's a trick question. I better not raise my hand. Anybody out here, you, you really living for God and you messed up? You could be like me, hands and feet up in the air. I, yeah, okay. Well, folks, the reality is I can still convince somebody of my life in Christ even though I mess up. You say, well, pastor, how can you do that? Simply fix it. How do I do that? I'm sorry. Go to the same person and say, you know what I did was wrong. What I said was wrong. How I acted. Well, pastor, that's going to make me look like a fool. You already are. Why not fix it? You say, you say well, pastor, yeah, fools do foolish things. And when you do something foolish, guess what you are? Say amen, David. Hey, David and I can say amen really loud because we've been there, haven't we, David? Yeah. Pastor, you mean you still today? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when will it ever end? When they put that last nail in my coffin. And then I'll stand before the Lord and he'll say, well done. Not because I didn't mess up, but because I chose to use it to fix it up. I can convince their lives and he can still convict their hearts. Okay, some of you are sitting back, I, okay, I'm not seeing how they could get convicted still because you chose to do right in the midst of the wrong. Faith and patience are the conquering graces we must cultivate if we're gonna keep alive our lives in Christ and exercise the love of God and his word in our lives. As I begin to wrap this up, Look at the last point. God will meet our need according to his riches. Physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and financially. You thought I'd forget about that, didn't you? I'm going to help you see some things right now because this is key. We only understand his provision after we have fully committed our lives to his purpose. That scripture in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. One of my favorite passages of all my Christian life. It become even better when I understood really what it was saying. I say, well, pastor, was that a new revelation? No, I just went into the Greek, or excuse me, into the Hebrew. And I studied it through to say, okay, wow. And literally, delight yourself in the Lord. When he becomes my delight, 
his heart becomes my desire. I'll want nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Because he is my delight. So, Pastor, he's my delight only if you're living for him. Only if your life is convincing others that he's in you. Am I making sense today? It's getting quiet. Because you know why? I said, I'm going to talk about finances. And we kind of go like this. Where's my wallet? Honey, hold my wallet for me. Oh, she already does. That's right. Are you ready? We are told our strength and our victory comes from looking to God as our provider, as the author and finisher, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to take you into two forbidden chapters because I'm going to talk to you about why your finances are struggling. And I'm going to tell you very point blank, because you're not tithing. Tithe means 10%. Well, I'm working up to it. But then you're giving an offering. Turn with me to Malachi. Oh, you're going to use that chapter. I'm going to use God's word. Now, come on, Malachi chapter 3. I put it on the screen. Thank you, Jared, getting it put in there, even though I didn't have it ready for the notes. Thank you, Jared. Look at this. What's the very first line say? I, the Lord, what? I, the Lord, what? In, Ephesians, or in John 14, he said, I am the same yesterday, or Hebrews 14, Hebrews, uh, anyway, it's in Hebrews. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't change. From Genesis to Revelation, God is the same. His statutes and ordinances are the same. So you the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Look at somebody and say, praise God, I think that's going to be good. Even when we do wrong, we're not destroyed because God doesn't change. His hand of protection still wants to be there. He can't do what he wants to do, but he'll make sure the devil can't do what the devil wants to do either. But it will keep us bound up. Wrong beliefs are a weight that hold us down. Are you ready? You ready to learn something? Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have what? Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have what? From what? That word decree, because I I wanted to to make it, I wrote it down, but I'm going to take you into my little uh, Bible app here that you can't see it very well, but here, it's all the Greek and the Hebrew and the stuff. This is how I study the Bible. The word decree, some of your Bibles will say ordinances, okay? Some of your Bibles will say statutes. That word decree that God said you have turned away from, literally translated, 
What, what, what's, what's this say? What's this say? Something prescribed or owed. Something prescribed or owed. You have turned away from something you owe me. And have not kept what I said to do. You say, well, pastor, that was for then. I am the Lord who Return to me. You say, well, pastor, how do you know he's talking about it? It's in his word. I'm just going to read it to you. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how do we return? Will a mortal rob God? See, God's pretty serious about this provision stuff. Will a mortal rob God? What version is this? NIV, okay. Will a... Mere mortal, I love the way that that passage puts it out. A mere mortal, somebody that thinks he's doing it by himself or herself, rob God, yet you do rob me. But how? Remember, you turned away from the things you owe. How are you robbing me? The next five words say what? Or four words, what? Oh, pastor, that's the Old Testament. Don't worry, I'm taking the New Testament in just a second. See, you want God to do this year what he hasn't ever done? It's not that he can't, it's that we won't. And God wants to. But he can't do what violates his word. God will never condone what his word condemns. Well, God understands, I, I'm, I'm on poverty level. Are you still living? Think you owe something to God then, don't you? Come on, Steve, and be say amen. amen. Because you're robbing me. What's to say before that? You are under. Jesus took every curse on the tree. And when we're in him, we're not under it anymore. But how do we stay in him? Jesus said, I obey everything my father says. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You will know, you will understand that word know means better. You will understand or comprehend. And the truth you understand will set you free. Financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially. You bring yourself under a curse. Kind of plain, isn't it? Then it tells us why we're under a curse. Because you're robbing me. He just told us how we're robbing him. Tithes and offerings. 
Then he says, you want to change this? Well, pastor, I can't give 10%. Then you're not tithing. Bring the, how much of it? Whole tithe. Don't mail it. I know some of you are, are, are saying, well, I, I mail my tithe to another ministry. You're bringing yourself under a curse. Because it's not the storehouse. I tell people all the time when they say, well, I mail my tithe to that ministry. Why don't you try calling that guy in the middle of the night when you've got a problem? And ask him if he's going to help you. Call that ministry in the middle of the night. Oh, they'll pray with you over the phone, but ask him if they're going to come over and see you. I had somebody that comes to our church now. They left another church because they called the pastor and said, Pastor, I've got some demonic activity going on in my church. And you know what the pastor said? I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. You know the last time somebody said we had demonic activity happening in their house? We came over to their house and prayed. I said, Pastor, you've done that for everybody? Only case I can think of is one I might have missed if I don't remember. And if that's you, let me know. We'll come. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Bring the whole tithe. Okay, go ahead and drive to Florida to take your tithe. Well, that's where you're mailing it to. Well, God's word says, bring it. You know, when I looked up the Hebrew on that word bring, it means to show up. Bring the whole tithe. And then God says, test me. Go ahead. And see if I won't throw the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing there can't be room enough to, to, for you to enjoy. Can I tell you something? God has never not met my wife and I's needs. He has done it in amazing ways, like refunding airline tickets that are not refundable, not exchangeable, and not returnable. Like re returning thousands of dollars in an anniversary cruise that is not refundable, not cancelable, not transferable, and not returnable. Well, I don't look at it that way. Wrong beliefs. See, God never said how he's going to do it. He just said, I'm going to do it. So look at this. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Now, that, the, the, the phraseology there I love better in the King James and the New Kings. He said, I will rebuke the devourer. That word pestilence, that comes from that word pestilence means plagues and diseases and infirmities and stuff to destroy your household. Okay. How many can say amen or say oh me? I'm trying to help us understand how God wants to provide and why if your life is not being provided for, it has to do with weights and sin that so easily entangle us. Are you with me? He is the reason we have faith. He proposed it. He promised it. He purchased it. And then he published it after that he gave us the purpose, propensity, and predisposition to live it. Because he did, we can. Because he did it all, we can do it all. Can somebody say amen? 
He finished what he started, enabling us to complete what we've begun, that we can receive what he has promised, enabling us to live a victorious Christian life. Okay, preacher, I'm waiting for the New Testament. Matthew 23. Do you have it up there? Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Let me take that law, people that think they're righteous in their own religion. Because I know the word, but I don't do the word. See, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they knew God's word, but they didn't do God's word. They knew Jesus was living everything pertaining to the Messiah, but they weren't accepting him as the Messiah. Look what it says here. You tithe, you give a tenth. Remember what I said a tithe is? A tenth. You tithe of your spices. Mint, dill, cumin, cumin, how do you pronounce it? Cumin? Okay. I learned something. When you go into the, into the, uh, the Greek of that, I'm in the New Testament now, folks, and you say, Pastor, is this the only two verses? I can take you all the way from Genesis to Revelation and to show that tithing and giving has not changed. Okay. That passage there says you give. He said you give down to the nth degree. You make sure it's a tenth of everything you have. And God said that's wonderful. He said, but you forget the weightier matters of the law. You mean tithing is under the law? And Jesus didn't do away with the law? You say, well, Pastor, okay, Jesus just said you give a tenth, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Doesn't that by virtue of phraseology mean tithing is in the law? And if I take you all the way back to the law, you will find it. I don't have time today. I got to get you to lunch. He said, you've, you've forgotten the weightier things, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You see, we think if we're just good, if we're just merciful, and if we're just faithful, then everything's going to be okay, even if I'm not obedient. Look what Jesus said to the Pharisees. This is Jesus talking. You should have practiced the latter. Read the next line with me. Without neglecting the former. What did Jesus just tell the Pharisees? The only thing you're doing right is tithing. And then what did he call them? Blind. They know the word, but they don't do it. Therefore, they are deceived. Now, folks, and I, and I love the passage. <laughs> you Strain at a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What does that mean? God's word is very clear, but you're straining. Oh, I can't. 
but love, mercy, and grace. Oh, I can do that. You're swallowing that camel of love, mercy, and grace. That's why we call it greasy grace. I don't have to do what God's Word says, and everything will be fine. Sorry, folks, God's Word doesn't teach that. Are we okay out there? Okay, let me, let me conclude today. Some of you missed a great place to say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said he endured the cross and despised the shame. And then the phrase right before that said, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. There in Hebrews 12. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Because of the joy set before him, the joy of what he was now able to do. You see, Satan, because of the fall, we were all under a curse. He said, now I'm able to take the curse upon me. And if you'll just live for me and do what I said, that curse will have no power over you. Living for him is doing what he said. Not just doing what we like. Say, so, well, pastor, it's not that easy. You're right. Just like uh, they were talking about this morning. It's hard. Oh, we were doing this in prayer meeting. God makes the hard simple. He makes the burden light. He makes the yoke easy. How? In him. Nothing passes between heaven and earth except by him. He knew that he was going to make peace between God and man, which is what we understand as the covenant of grace. And then he tells us this is what we have to do. We want God to be our provision. Three things we have to do. We have to look to him. When things are going awry, he never changes. When things are going bad, he's always good. When things are going wrong, he's always right. When things are looking down, he's always up. He is continually our example, our encouragement. That when the outlook is bad, the uplook is good to give us direction, assistance, and acceptance. Life is bad at times, but God is good all times. We gotta look to him. The second thing is we gotta consider him. Meditate what he has done and what he has done when looking at our own situation. Lord, you said you would rebuke the devourer. God, I'm faithful. I'm tithing. I'm giving. 
Compare what Jesus faced. And in that you'll find patience, perseverance, and persuasion to press on. And then the third thing is you'll find that provision only comes through him, which is the key to our victory. Grace is the enabler. Listen to me. Grace is the enabler, not the perfecter. It is not the completer or the maturer. Just because you say you're saved does not mean man and corruption do not remain. They still remain. And the best way to present the fall is to continually look up at what he has done and he has given. His grace draws us. Our faith keeps us. We must continually obey the draw of his learning if he is to provide for our keeping. Second Timothy, and then I'm going to pray for folks. Paul said, I fought long and hard. Paul the apostle, I fought long and hard. But what did he say? Through it all, I kept true. Who's the lead usher today? Paul, you, Scott, is Scott here? Okay. I'm going to bring the offering baskets back in. They didn't know about this because I was kind of fearful to do this until I got a word of the Lord this morning from Bill Weaver. Remember when I told you? I'm going to take that word. Because I knew that people are going to get offended. But that's okay. I would rather offend you into heaven than pacify you into hell. I want 2020 to be your best year financially. Come on. But I can tell you right now, if you are not tithing, it won't be. It'll just be another year. Well, Pastor, am I going to go to hell? Well, I'm, I'm not thinking you'll go to hell, except I don't understand fully that passage, will a man rob God? Because the Bible says no thief is going to heaven. I said I don't understand fully. That's, that's between you and God. I'm going to leave that there. But I am going to say that if you want God to be your provision, we have to do it His way. So in the back of your seat pockets is a tithe, offering, missions. I need the baskets, uh, Scott. Thank you. I didn't know if, you, if they just sent for you or... Okay, they're coming. Thank you. Oh, oh there's Sean. Yeah, he's back there thinking, you could have told us earlier. <laughs> I just, yeah. I knew I was going to, but I was... I, Genuine, genuine, I was really fearful. I was, really was, folks. Can I be honest as your pastor? Because I don't want to offend people. I don't want to, you know, purposely. But then this week, God said, if you don't do, who's being offended? Well, you say, Pastor, you knew that it would be offending to God and you still weren't going to do it? Yeah, just like you. 
just like all of us. Worship team, yes. I'm going to pray. If you are not a tither and you put your regular offering in the basket today, you say, well, pastor, I don't ever tell anybody what I give. I just put it in there because I don't want a receipt. Well, some people that do that are lying and some people do that are honest. They don't do it because they don't want anybody to know they make $5,000 a week and put $5 in. Back when I first started the church, I had metal offering baskets. Well, Pastor, why did you do that? Because it kept people from giving change. What'd you think, Franklin? That pretty good. And the baskets got bigger and bigger because people started understanding God's promise. They started understanding. If you want God to do what he said he would do, the only place he said you could test him in all of scripture is in your tithe. You may be here and you say, well, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. You cannot afford not to tithe. You've heard my testimonies. You heard, I mean, look at these kids. They're buying their second house. Now they're selling their first house. But folks, how many of us heard you can't afford to live in Flagstaff? I can afford to live wherever God wants me. Well, that's why I'm moving away. Really? Which God is encouraging the move? You see, God wants to bless. God wants to multiply. You don't have to move someplace cheaper. God has you here for a reason. Man, it's quiet in here. But that's okay, isn't it? How many love God's Word? Folks, I've given you God's Word plain and clear. Okay? If you want to ask questions about it more, you got my number. Call me. Yeah, but you'll just, you'll just shut me down. No, I won't. I'll let God's Word shut you down. I'm not going to tell you what God's Word doesn't tell you because I'm going to answer for God's Word. I want God to bless you. I want God to do what He promised. Now let me make a statement, folks. Did you know you can be financially blessed and not even be saved? Because God honors His Word. That's why some of these corporations, can I tell you, any corporation that is doing massively successful, every single one of them have a mission statement in their corporation. And I can guarantee in that corporation, giving is a big part of it. They give to charitable causes. And God said, I'll not be a debtor. You can tithe your whole life and still not make heaven. It's all one parcel, folks. Tithing isn't going to get you to heaven. Remember what Jesus told the Pharisees? Great, you're tithing. What about love, mercy, and grace? He said, don't do one and not do the other. You're supposed to do them all. Well, pastor, that's a hard, that's a hard road to hoe. Not with his yoke. His yoke's easy. Why am I saying all of this? I want 2020 
to be a place where you clearly see God is your provider. If you have never tithed and you gave your regular offering today, your regular whatever it was today, I encourage you, take that envelope out of the back of your chair. You know how much money you make every week? And add to it. You made $1,000 this week, say. And you gave $20. Well, your tithe should have been 100. God? Well, Pastor, I don't make 1,000. I made 100, and I'm below poverty. Who's still providing in that poverty? Well, I can't give because I get uh, social assistance. Who do you think is providing that social? Well, the government. Wrong beliefs are a weight that will pull you down and keep you from being blessed of God. I don't care if it's $10. I don't care if it's $10 million. The tithe is first. Not what you think the tithe should be. Remember that whole thing about deception? What makes deception so deceptive? It's usually what you want. Well, my tithe is 1%. But the Bible says 10, doesn't matter. I believe it's 1%. Take the envelope, fill it out. Maybe God has been challenging you and saying, you know, you've been kind of holding back. It's time for you to break that barrier. Fill it out, put it in the offering. And I promise you, I promise you, you can take this one to the bank of heaven. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, they might have problems. But God said, according to my riches in glory. How many know the bank of heaven has plenty? And he wants us to live an abundant life. Thank you, Michael. That was a great amen. I want you to hold hands. I don't want you to hold hands with other people. I want you to hold hands with your spouse. Because I don't want you to hold hands with somebody else because I don't want their unbelief to come off on you. If you've got somebody that you know God is blessing, if you want them to lay hands on you, praise the Lord. But I want you to do that. And you watch. It's the only place in God's word says, I will not let you down as far as finances. He said, I will rebuke the devourer. Prove me, he says. Prove me and watch what he'll do. God you spoke to me this week because I was, I was, I told my wife when I got home on Sunday, I said, why? I, I always, always say physical, mental, emotional, social, and financial. I always, why did I not say financial? And then in the middle of the week, you told me because you were going to bring an anointing on the finances to break that yoke that's been hindering and you're going to replace it with a yoke that is easy. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Living for you, trusting you, is not a burdensome thing, thing your word says. God, tonight, we take authority over every dominion, every power. God, you said you would rebuke the devourer. God, I thank you today, as people step out in faith, 
you step in, in fact, to show them your promise that you are the provision in every situation. God, we thank you. Money is not our source. You are. Our job is not our source. You are. Our social security check is not our source. You are. Our SSI is not our source. You are. God, we thank you. We're going to test you. Father, we thank you for it. Now, God, right now we pray to break the chains, break the bondage, break the inhibitions. God, by your grace, your anointing to set the captive free is here. Even so be it in Jesus' name. And everybody believes that said, amen. amen. The ushers are here. This is your opportunity to step out of what's always been into what God, the God who never changes, said always should be. It is your opportunity to watch 2020 be a year like never before. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.